COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. I am Dr. A.D. And I am Dr. Sharice Roper. And I'm Dr. Michael Haygood. And I cannot take it no longer. Y'all know what's up this week? What's going on? Here's the what. Okay, so you know we're moving into an endemic, they say now, based on what I'm seeing in the national media with everything going on in the news. The pandemic is slowly winding down, everyone's talking about it, and I know that's creating, you know, havoc and certainly some peace for people as well. Um, the question I have is, what have you done, like, that's different um, recently? Because I know that when the pandemic first started, we talked about what everyone talked about. You know, everyone was sort of searching for a new start, a new vision, and a new direction for their life. And now we're going into another shift. So what do you think this is going to bring on for you? And what did you do before that you may want to continue? Wow. <laughs> I feel like I've, you know, I did a, a number of things. First, I will say that I still have to manage the anxiety that comes with all of these changes, right? Yeah. Because you're still in this place of, or at least for me, do I wear my mask? Do I not wear my mask? Yeah. I know that I've been, uh, I've gotten the, you know, all of the shots, right? Um, and I know that I'm protected that way. And my whole family even did, you know, have uh, the, or get the pandemic or we had COVID, I should say, sorry. But now I'm really thinking about, do I get a booster? Am I okay with not getting a booster? I will say I was at the doctor the, yeah, just yesterday uh, looking at some things with, actually my face and stuff, trying to make sure that it's as beautiful as it can be. <laughs> and asked her about getting the booster. And she said, well, you know, now that things are changing and shifting, you may not necessarily need the booster. And that was something that I had not heard. So, you know, just taking those things in makes me feel like I need to really spend some time with meditation. That's yeah. something that I've started. And also, I've been reading. I do read The Secret. And I find that collectively those things are helping me to really kind of stay in a place of, I guess if I use the word wellness, I feel better. I do also walk. I've been taking my grandson with me to the beach. Right, right, right. That uh, the water there does something very, very good very nice for me <laughs> that yeah. helps me, now, let me ask to you stay centered right back with what you just said you mentioned um you know falling in and and becoming interested in the secret and mm -hmm. meditation and much sounds like much more spiritual practices than religion so let me ask you a question because i know your husband and i know that he's much more of a religious person right so how is that you know how does that how are you able to allow yourself to move into a new space with the new spirituality that you're now seeking based on what's going on in your life and also be able to maybe invite him in or, or see if that's possibly something that he's considering. Have you, have you guys talked about that? I'm interested. So we have. Okay. And interestingly <laughs> enough, I feel like I've always been one 
who was kind of outside of the line, so okay. to speak. And so even though I, we go to church regularly, we really enjoy you know, what we hear and, and the fellowship there, but I've always had that question about the things that I see here in this book. Uh-huh. I know that all of that information is not necessarily the same today as it was before. Uh oh, be careful now. And even the before even the before was not what it was before. So when I think about you know coming up as a young child, I was always known to read the King James Bible. Absolutely. But we if we really study our, our history and we look at science and all of those things, we know that King James, the Bible, was translated from Greek to English. Three times. And remember that game that we used to play as kids when you do telephone? Yes. And what you say here, and it changes as you go around. Well, I feel the same way about the Bible. Absolutely. I feel like, and that's why there are so many um, different additions. Additions. Yes, yes, because... I think many people have come to an understanding of that. Yes. That there is, you know, everything is not necessarily exactly the way that it's printed there. There is some form of, uh, or there's room for what you hear in the space of where you are, right? Right. Um, And I think now is just a great time. I think most people, the secret is a place that I think talks about that in its own way and in its own right. Yeah. I know that even Dr. Davis, she's uh, following someone that sounds like a really great person to kind of connect with. Maybe you can share, because I, I understand that she might have even been asked at some point to do some work with or around the secret. Yeah. And we can kind of go in more into you know what that is and all of that stuff too, but Dr. Davis? So, you know, um, my first... My Sunday school teacher is was Reverend Michael Beckwith, you know, the pastor, pastor of uh, Agape. Uh, Agape. Uh-huh. And so I started Guidance, which is a religious science, Church of Religious Science. So I always was very metaphysical at a young age, very young age. We were taught, you know, we went to meditation camps when I was 10, 11, and 12, you know. So I learned a lot of that then. And my first... Um, I guess I'll say initiation to the secret was that Michael had a had a secret party. Do you remember that I at do. your house? We had to watch I the do. secret party. So that led me to years of going because of my uh, my family. I have a diverse family. There are people who practice Islam in my family, uh, religious science. Then of course um, the traditional United. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, African American Episcopal AME. So my grandmother made sure that I got baptized, <laughs> and, you know, just to make sure I, my soul doesn't go to hell yes. because she knew my, I was involved with different forms of practicing my spirituality at a young age. So over the course of the time, uh, you know, life brought me different experiences. I won't say that they were bad because everything I know is for the good, and which led me to seek after different spiritual teachers and of course, during the pandemic, you didn't have access to go any to places. So I got into more of the Deepak Chopra uh, 21 day meditations yes. that mm-hmm. Oprah and Deepak offered through the internet. Uh, of course, I listened to Eckhart Tolle, and my favorite, one of my favorite, who's gotten me through a lot of my adverse experiences, 
is Abraham Hicks. I actually love to listen to her in the mornings, listen to her throughout the day, and I listen to her in the evenings where I've learned that everything is always happening for the good. Everything is always happening for the good. Everything is always happening through the good. And whatever um, I face is because I attract that to me. So whether it's an experience, a lesson, or a contrast is what she says. So just imagine that if I'm saying I really, oh, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be a millionaire, and I'm not experiencing that now, you know, a lot of t- most of the time it's because there's resistance in how I really believe that I deserve or that it can happen, that I can attain and achieve it. So I'm learning as, as a 50-year-old that thought is action and words brings life. So I'm conscious and conscientious of what I think, and I'm being more careful what words I speak. And that is in line with awesome, the scripture. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And how do you um, in kind of keep that alignment, so to speak? So when we say being conscious of it, because I know that we all – you know, we've heard those, and I'll go back to the religious part or the pastors. We heard them that, you know, just pray about it and, and it'll happen. Prayer without action, though, is what? It's dead. It's dead. Yes. So I think yes. that's part of what you're asking, though, because and I think that, you know, we all sort of throughout the day, we wake up with a wonderful feeling if you're actually practicing and trying to stay conscious. I think sometimes everyone, not for me. Sometimes really? I'm not. Sometimes I wake up and, I, and the first thing that I do is think about the my bills dead dead or what I have to do that as soon as I wake up that morning like I'm like oh dreading what all I have to do that day and so instantly I have to turn on you know my meditation or I have to really get aligned get centered which I do read um Ayana Van Zandt's Acts of Faith mm-hmm. I do read Ernest Holmes uh Science of the Mind see, Meditate you're Daily on something that I want to actually uh-huh. bring to all of our attention and uh-huh. that is what if there was no secret what if there was no bible Mm-hmm. What if there was no book? What How if to lean up to your own understanding? Yeah, so when I say I wake up in the morning, because I do too wake up in the morning with, oh my goodness, I got to make sure the kids, da, da, da. I got to make sure that uh, such and such, such and such. But what actually happens for me is I do exactly what you just mentioned, is I com- completely consciously turn myself into a line of thinking and awareness mm-hmm. that I turn on every morning. It's like turning on the light. Before I even turn on the light, when I first wake up, I remind myself, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want to think about bills. I just want to think about all the affirmations of being alive this morning. Thank you, God, for waking me up. It is the most grateful thing you can do for yourself and the most blessing thing you can do for yourself. It's blessed to actually confirm your awareness that, oh, my God, I made it through a sleepless night and God woke me up. That's People say that but don't really feel it. Like, you know what I mean? I really am grateful. So I think that, that, yeah, and it allows you to quiet your mind, get still, and be able to have a very centered morning. And hopefully throughout the day, Mm -hmm. you can stay in that consciousness. But we all know by 12 o'clock, by lunchtime, it's probably gone. So you have to continually remind yourself. All day. Got it. It's a practice. And I learned during the pandemic, I really, and and I've been in the same house since 1976. And I... During the pandemic, I'm like, are those birds? Like, I didn't even pay attention to the birds chirping. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? I didn't see the butterflies flying around. Yes. And when we were at home and had to work from home, I was able to stop, pause, and look. 
Right. I was like, look at the butterflies. Look at the blue jays. Right. Like, oh, my God. And I know they've been there. Yes. But, you know, just not uh, smelling the roses. Yeah. Well, you, you know you what I mean? You came out in my backyard. I was painting. I was yes. Paints. We painted. I've never painted before. Painted I was painting flower pots. We took our shoes off. I was, I was walking gardens. on the grass. I did all kind of stuff. And I think that's yes. what I meant by saying yes. now there's another shift coming. Yes. You know, and I, I think, are we going to go back to old habits? Are we going to go back to the old ways? Or are we going to keep smelling the flowers and seeing those flowers differently and noticing things that we didn't before? I want to continue to look at the pandemic, and this is going to probably alarm people, and hopefully I don't upset too many folks, but I've been constantly saying that for me the pandemic has been a gift. Sure. But for most people, and I, and I say that even with people passing away, I've lost loved ones, we all have, and there's been a huge shift and sadness that has gone along with the physical presence leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also know that for myself, that nothing, if I believe what I believe and I do, and that is that everything that happens is good, mm. that I have to believe that all of what I'm going through and all of what the world is going through is on purpose. Sure. And it's to teach humankind maybe to be kinder to each other, maybe to make sure that we're taking care of our health Maybe our food practices are right. not the best, and so it's actually polluting us and making the disease come. We just need to look at this, I think, differently Absolutely. so that we get the gift and the blessing of what has happened. Right. And even with, you know, some of the things we see now, food prices are, yeah. right? But, high. like, very high. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen in our household is now, and if you own a restaurant or something like that, you know, God, I, I'm here with you on that, too. <laughs> But it's also made us not necessarily purchase away from home yeah. unless it's really for that really great reason, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and just loving on each yet. other. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, what I'm paying at the grocery store, we're not wasting before you might say, oh, we didn't right. get to we that. You know, way, right? right. Now we're going <laughs> to yeah. cook. We're going to go back yeah. like the old days. Okay, we've got this, this, this. We're going to make some kind of a stew, right? right. We're going to use That's all true. that we have because we purchased all that we right. have. And I think for me, some of it, too, comes with um, financial literacy. I've been doing a lot of that more. We're not going to get into that right now. We're going to do that on another topic. Right. But I like the stew because that's one thing that I picked up during the pandemic. I have mastered different variations of vegetable soups mm-hmm. because I have farm fresh they deliver a box of vegetables every two weeks right. so whatever they surprise me with I make a soup and so that is the running joke with my friends and my family because they always want to know what kind of soup you make this wow. week <laughs> so I have now I'm mad soup. I haven't had any soup <laughs> I, I will okay so I, I will I saw the I soup have, but I didn't I have any of the soup I'll right. post the soups yes but yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Roper and uh, Michael Haygood, I I did learn something over the pandemic, which also um, we talk about the metaphysical place, places that we've um, traveled. But I've also found that I learned a part of me that was really advocate, um, an advocate for how people have been treated over the pandemic in the workplace. Oh, yes. And the insensitivity that we all are facing you know, death and loss and depression and anxiety, and we all lead. We're leaders, and we're responsible for adults and students yes. and, you know, the relationships that we have with parents. Yes. I'm finding in the workplace there have been some incidences where people have been calling me because of my position with the union that 
are it's just egregious and sensitive and inhumane um, leadership experiences that they've that they're having going through. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where where do we get that you know they're the whole world is experiencing this whole loss and losing family and you know we're we're bonding in one area but then there are people that are actually in places that are so dehumanized. And I'm trying to figure out how do we get past that and how do we support our colleagues yeah. in spaces like that? Well, for me, so that I don't, and you know what's going on with, um, and I think all three of us know because we work in education, that you know all of the organizational models and systems, whether it be in education or whether it be in uh, the medical field or whether it be in political fields, that everyone, I think, at this point is trying to um, at least start with the premise that everyone is giving their best. That's how I try to help myself understand it. Because when I look at company systems and how, at this point, it feels like the company, um, for the most part, and most of my friends, have lacked soothing their personnel like making sure their mental health is okay first. It feels like that's not being taken care of, and it also feels like for a lot of people that there's been more work attached to getting through COVID or more demand, and that hasn't felt respectful. It hasn't felt like you're valued as an employee. It hasn't felt like you're valued as someone who's... Human being. absolutely, and so when you also work with children, that can add to it because you feel like you're doing your life mission. You're calling. You know how important the work is. And then you're not giving your best because you're frustrated with the system that is asking you to do more work. Mm-hmm. So I understand what we're up against. I do. But I, once again, want to point us back to the fact that there are some things we can't control, yeah. like the pandemic, yes. like possibly the system. But what we can control is our reaction to bad behavior. Yeah. And we can control our reaction to giving out great behavior. Mm-hmm. So it sort of starts with us. And so... I'll just share this really quick story. Recently, I had um, um, someone call me because they needed just someone to listen, just someone to listen, and I took the time to listen. And what I got out of it, and the person got out of it, um, the friend that I was talking with, is we ended up just at the end of the conversation just really being okay with the fact that at this point on the planet, I don't think either, most of us are feeling very alone in this. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, the pandemic reminds you that, yeah, you have a family. You know, yeah, you're a part of, you know, the Deltas. And, yeah, you know, you might be love the Rams and you might have five kids. But at the end of the day, you are here alone. And that's okay. Your aloneness comes with not just the positive power, but it also comes with the knowing. Yes, the knowing. yes. And I think I would say it almost connects back to what we started talking about at the beginning is when you're having those negative work environments, things happening, what you can also do is you can take time to, to get to yourself and really meditate on what's happening and think about where, where you are in that space mm-hmm. and what power you do have over that space. We have the ability to speak to our higher-ups in a way as professional as possible. And I think you can do that professionally when you get into that secret, 
quiet space. And you can figure out what are the words that need to be said that help to communicate how you're feeling based on the things that are happening that right. hopefully can move the situation around. Because right. without being fake. Sometimes right. Without being fake. Because the reality is I want to curse yeah. you out. Right. right. And even if it doesn't change it, mm -hmm. you have been able to maybe write. You've maybe been now able to um, communicate it in a way Absolutely. that does not feel adversarial. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and then we have choices. If it mm -hmm. seems like it's just really too, too tough, there are a number of avenues that will come right. to you in that quiet space yes, yes. as far as what yes. needs to happen. Resources, right? yes. And I'll give my own example. Yes. I knew um, at the beginning of the pandemic there was a lot going on with my own immediate family. And I made a decision at some point to change positions. And I needed to do that for my own mental space as yes, well as, as supporting my family. Despite the rest of us not wanting you to leave, yes. Right, right, <laughs> right. I was like, what the And world? you'd be surprised how some folks said to me, well, why did you do that? Right. But I knew that I felt that the universe, Hello. that God, that my spirit had spoken to yes. me. And that while everyone else may not have understood that uh, move, uh, it was one of the best moves I could have ever made. Hallelujah. There was a small... Um, there was a small shift in my finances, but that didn't last for long. Because once I got that clarity, then I was able to clearly do the next step. Mm -hmm. And God took care of the rest. Hello. Yes. And so, you know, I just encourage you to not let those negative things around you pull you down. There is so much good in this universe for all of us to have, and it's there. Hello. And it's for us to get. It's so true. It's really true because I was thinking as you were talking, um, when I was going through my situation and my um, professional ethics or credibility was questioned or, you know, uh, made appear to attack my character, every time, and it's so cliche, but every time I was being pulled down, there was another group lifting me up. You know what I mean? And so... I can honestly say I'm grateful that I went through those storms and those valleys. I'm grateful. I'm stronger. Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. clearer. Mm -hmm. I took that time to self-reflect, right. to go in deep. I took time for myself. Isn't and this the irony of our situation and our relationship? my passion. Though? Yes. All three of us, all three of us have went through something uncomfortable in the workplace. Yes. And I used the word uncomfortable on purpose because I didnn't want to. Yes, yes, yes. It, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. uncomfortable. It was uh, very uncomfortable. And I think what I've learned probably more than the own, my own situation of going through it is watching the both of, both of you. Because I think more of Sharice with you, I really, I just say it. I think I was being selfish. I didn't want you to leave. <laughs> I, I think I, I didn't I want did. you to leave. And I think I that, know I you know, the bottom line is, now that I understand and I have to utilize the principle of watching other people because, you know, we learn best through our own examples. Yes. Our own experiences. But I now have the experience of watching you. And when you just said I made the right decision, something else in my spirit said yes. Because I was, you know, I was 
It's wonderful when you can make the decision and no one else around you understands, but you have confirmed right. with oh, who God. you know. I right. feel something coming. I feel so, you know oh. what I mean? And, right. and it's just perfect for you. Yes. Oh, wow. It's yes. perfect because then yes. the result is even though everyone else doubts me, or doesn't see it. Right. I know. Right. Yes. Right. And it's not always work related because I'm going to tell you the thing that happened in that year, because I was only away for a year before I got into the current position that I'm in now. Yes. And what happened in that year, that was a year that I spent with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. My grandmother had been, I had always been in a position of assisting as a caregiver support. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this, she passed away on September the 19th. Mm-hmm. I started my new position on October 11th. Okay. So within that, I was there that entire time right. until her end. And then, and it was already, the steps were already in place for the next thing. I would not, someone said to me the other day, you know, you wouldn't have accepted your current position yep. Yep. if you had stayed Sorry, in God. the position before that. It was because you went into that that middle space. But add to that, you also may not have left had your grandmother not passed. Hear that? Right. Right. Do you really hear that? Yes. No, I was already, it was already she in the works. It was already in the works. It was in the works, but you had an angel pushing you to, okay, go on now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. They were like, you know what? It's coming. You, we got your next step because then I was becoming more, um, I was, I put myself in a place where I could hear better. So then when I would hear the voice or I'd hear that, or as, um, T.D. Jake says that intuition. Absolutely. So when that came, I immediately knew I have to follow that. Because yeah. I'm really, I'm feeling that. It won't leave me. And I've got to follow that. So that's going to take me to the next thing. You and I, Michael, mm-hmm. just a little while ago, yes, we spoke about something and for both of us, there was the the answer was a pl- came from a place of I think fear. So I'm gonna say it now. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm waiting on pins. Me, it's like, oh my god, what is it? You and I talked about retirement. Okay. Yes. Uh-oh. And we talked about what we thought it would take for us to be able to leave. Right. And I feel like. And I'm not, you know, putting this on you, okay. but I feel like that really was a place of fear for us. Yes. Because we want a certain number. Yes. Right? And that's what's going to allow us yes. to move. Yes. And I'm not doing that. So what if with the gifts and the talents and all the projects that we this. have, I'm already with yes. moving and grooving. Right. And why, are we wait, why, why are we waiting? Why are we waiting on that? I told why you guys. Worrying? I said the same I'm thing. With you. Like you guys are close. Yeah, so you guys are much closer. And that really is what faith is. It's also yes. really what faith is when people say, "I'm not ready for kids. I'm not really ready for children. Right. I'm gonna wait till I get my money up. Right. That's it's the same philosophy. Right. Of fear that there is no time to be ready. You're right. ready now. Right, because we wouldn't be talking about it if we weren't already ready. The reason we're not moving on it is because of the fear that we have. But if we took that time, let me say this, and conditioning also, and I want to make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. Yes, okay, because for them it may be they're in a different system. 
And I think what happens, you know, with, whether you're close to retirement, whether you want to leave a job, I think the, the questioning for us that Sharice is pointing out is we had the question is, should we move now? And there comes a time in your life, all of us go through this, where we're contemplating, should I move or not? Right. Should I do this or not? And right. it's conditioning. And it's, conditioning. It's, what, it's what society says, because if you talk to someone, they'll say, oh, no, you have to wait until you're 62. You're not going to get any money. You're going to leave all that money on or the, the table. Or the old philosophy about the, but, my parents told me, don't take a bankruptcy ever. 15 well, years ago, 20 years and, ago, they were like, right. don't take a bankruptcy. And, and, and folks been doing two it, or three and times a year. A year later, I was offered credit. I mean, right. so it's, right. you never know. But, but the retirement thing is that we've been taught you know, oh, you must put in your 40 years. You must wait till right. you're 62. You have to do that. But I am with you in thinking, well, what if I'm making moves that will generate that income? Absolutely. To, you know, so I'm, I'm going to bank on my retirement income just to pay my mortgage or just right, to right. eat. But then my other expenses, I'm still talented. We're smart. Right. We're very intelligent. We're gifted. We have talents. Why not utilize that to generate income, especially if you're passionate right. about working on right. something? You right. know what I mean? And somebody said to me, I was having a conversation with them the other day, and they said to me, so you also want to make sure, because we know that you're not retiring to do nothing. You, you're retiring from that season of Correct. work right. yes, into season. another season of something else. Absolutely. And they said to me, and what if you're spending the time now that you could be really given 120% to Investing on the thing that yourself. you really yes. have the most passion for that could take you, you know, who knows where, but you're not doing it. You're waiting another five years. And at that time, maybe the same opportunities aren't even exactly the same. You know what that sound like? What does that sound, sound like? sound like when you're dating. You're with someone uh, you don't really want to be with. Yes. But uh -oh. you keep it going uh -oh. for another five years. Uh -oh. And the real one that you could be really spending your time with right. is walking by. Or and self. you don't even notice them. Or yourself. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right. But you're right. doing things in your life right. that feel like you're just settling. Yes. For what you're, that's settling. Yes. That's settling for what you really know your heart doesn't desire. Right. That passion and that desire and that value and that expectation mm -hmm. and that standard for what you will and will not allow in your life, we bargain. We bargain with that right. all the time. Yes. We end up talking ourselves out of it or we're saying, am I really ready for it yet? Right. You know what I mean? So all that bargaining that we do, it because reminds of what me of others may think. Dr. Roper and I had a conversation the other day about this word little. Oh, yeah. And I remember. I was here. I was here. <laughs> oh, you were there? I was there. I was there for okay, it. Bring that she up. says it a lot. I know. Please remind me. And why? And, and then, you know, better than that, why? What? Because we talked about not wanting to shine right. and what does it mean? You know, downplaying. And she doesn't so even say little. You? She says little, little, little. L-I-L. <laughs> well, we know what it means. <laughs> little, so little, so little talk peanut. about that. Because, you know, we all shared a story about that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, it's the idea, well, in a lot of things, I'll say something like, oh, we're going to go to that little restaurant over on blah, 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 blah. Or, oh, well, let's talk about the little. And didn't really recognize that I say that as much as I do. But we made a connection around I typically show up as probably more um, 
not as strong necessarily as what I really bring to the table. And a lot of that has to do with, and you know, we could be on forever and I know we don't have all of it, but a lot of it comes from as a child, just really feeling like I had to um, downplay myself for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. In school, one of the things that I found was I had a sister who had disabilities and much of what I did was to try and support her both academically and socially. So in the neighborhood, I was always, you know, protecting her in right. some way. And, and a way to protect was to kind of pull back because we were already noticed for our differences, if that makes sense. Yes. And so I find that I do that a lot with a lot of the things, and I know that that's where that comes from. And you, you know what it brings to mind? Mm-hmm. It brings to mind when I used to say to people, stop playing me small. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when, you, know, when mm-hmm. you say, oh, can I come to your little gathering? Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? It right. reminds me of, you don't see the value in what I'm getting ready to do? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that little attached to anything, and I think that we right. say it about our own projects sometimes. We say it or we feel it, even more importantly, about our own stuff or when we're going to something. We don't see the bigness of it. We don't mm-hmm. see the the value and the beauty mm-hmm. of it a lot. And so we speak it mm-hmm. and make it smaller. And sometimes we do that for other people's comfortable ears. We well, don't want them to, to hate on our stuff. I was having a conversation with my son just the other day about, you know, all the, so what he was talking about, the whole adoration, you know, uh, mm-hmm. conversation. And I was saying that, you know, yeah, he was saying that he really wants to get out of his own way because he feels like to let his own light shine, he has to play smaller. Yeah. For some of his friends. Right. And it's funny and, you know, because, because uh, my, I have a poem in the, at home and everywhere I go, I take it with me because it reminds me of what I need to do, which is Marianne Williamson's um, yep. Deepest Fear. Yep. Oh, yes. Right? And it says, we are all meant to shine as children, as children do, right? And there's a part in there that talks about not um, uh, letting people see you in terms of what you bring and all of that, not being afraid to be able to shine. And so I've, I've grown as, even though I'm older now, <laughs> but I've grown into this space of, of being okay with who I am and where I am and knowing that, you know, there's always a way to do anything, but that there's always a space for all of us. There is enough room for everybody to table. be able to at shine the at the table. all the time. At the table. Absolutely. There's plenty yes. of meals. I think you're bringing to mind what I was just reading about and, and not even knowing about what happened with, you know, uh, the situation with we lost some really valuable people recently. You know, and I'm talking about we're all valuable as human beings, but there's been some incredible folks who have left the planet recently. I was thinking of Betty White. And, um, you know, I was thinking of not just Betty White, but also thinking about Cicely, you know, um, Cicely Tyson and Sidney Poitier. And right. the biggest things that I got, one of the things I learned about with Betty White that attaches to our conversation is, did you know that Rue McClanahan and B. Arthur didn't like her? Hmm. I didn't I know s- that. I found that out recently. And the reason why it connects is because we were talking about there are people that you're going to work with, people in your life that don't like you. They just don't like you, and they're not going to speak well of you. And so what? Right. So what? Betty White was being called, and I won't say the word because it's really offensive. It's the, probably the worst word you could call a female or a woman. It starts with a C. But we'll leave that there. 
Having said that, she was called that. Hmm. And Betty White continued to work. And you know why she was called that, she says? Because she felt that she was the shine. She uh, was the shine. She came on to Golden Girls with all of that um, fame behind her. A really credible reputation, um, likable. And apparently she would go and greet the audience, you know, when they would do the live shows. Uh-huh. And B. Arthur and Ruby Clanahan hated it. Right. Hated it. And tried to dull her shine. So what I take from that with Sicily and Sidney Poitier, because certainly he got it. Think about it. We made Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in 1960-something about interracial marriages. So you know those folks weren't liked. So, Sharice, right. what I offer to you about, you know, hateration and people that don't like you, I'm still wrestling with that because, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to be liked. Mm-hmm. But I also want to release, you know, the whole knowing of everyone's not going to like you, and it's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. You know? I think it, for me it's just always about whether we like each other or not, can we respect one another? Big time. Um, I think this also brings me to something that I really want to hit on, and I think it's because of the fact that we are educators. And I really want us to think about, and then I'm going to ask Dr. Davis you know, a question too. I really want us to always be thinking about what we do for our students at the, our, at the youngest ages around respecting one another, understanding differences and allowing people to live in those differences. Um, I was looking at a show, uh, Raising Dion. Uh-huh. Yes. And one of the things that I love, and I don't even know her name, but I love the, the young lady in the wheelchair because yeah. it reminds me all the time when she com- every time I see her coming, I'm like, he has learned in this in this show. They're teaching us to to respect the differences. Yes. That she is a part of this wonderful triangle of friendship that they yes. have. And <clears throat> she started out, if we go back to the beginning, she started out by saying to him, because no one really wanted to be friends with him, and he befriended her, and they became friends. And she said, well, it doesn't matter because I'm the invisible one. No one sees me. One of the things in the unit that I work in that we have as a part of our logo is that we see you, we, re- we hear you, and we respect you. And so as educators, that is something that I hope well, not even just educators, but I think that's a good place, at least for me to Absolutely. start, is that we, you know, we do that early with children. But I want to throw a little bit at Dr. Davis because she is in a space where she's um, running for a position. And it's a position that can give her a lot of space to do just what we are talking about right yes. now. And so... Can I say what you're running for or not yet? Yes, you can. You can. All right. So Dr. Davis is running for a school board seat with Compton Unified School District. And my question to you is, what would be like one of the first, you know, one of the things I I just talked about was helping uh, students and people understand differences and stuff. But what might be something that you really would hope could be something that you could uh, maybe leave your legacy with, you know, if elected into that position? 
Well, first I was saying, I was talking to our one of our, our producer that I really enjoy looking and listening to you guys engage in conversation. You guys have such a great chemistry. I was like, well, listen to them go. Thank so, you. you know, thank you for that. I feel right now, most importantly, because the district that, you know, I'm seeking for office, there's a, a seems to be a disconnect between um, maybe an administration and the teachers, those who are actually in the classroom yeah. working with these students. So um, as far as I know, I would be, if I were to be elected, one of the board members that actually has maybe principal experience. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe one other has had classroom experience before. So what I would like to bring is that voice um, to the board and that I can help bridge the gap and, and uh, make awareness that these teachers who are in the classroom are there to support children of all abilities. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes when you're far removed from that, you may not see how complex that job is. So the so my perspective, what I would like to bring is that let's deal with and nurture the adults who are actually supporting and trying to make this inclusive environment. Because I do love that Raisin Dion. I really love it. And it has to be a teacher that is really talented, gifted, and sensitive, empathetic, and aware to make sure that that little child did not feel invisible. Right. I, and she was so smart, so strong. She was a ride-or-die friend. Right. You know what I mean? And she was very, very resilient. Yes. But yet she felt invisible. And then Dion, of course, had his talents, mm -hmm. and he didn't even know what. I don't even know why I'm different. I know I am, but what's different about me, and why can't everybody else do what I can do? Right. You know, so I do think that one a missing piece oftentimes is that we do not look at the people that have to care for the students in this situation also. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Although we want to make sure children thrive and students thrive, let's look at the, the people that have to make sure those, those children thrive. Right. I actually think that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's where it starts. That's where my work starts as an administrator. Mm -hmm. It's also yes. where my work starts as I look at uh, my university professorship. Mm -hmm. You know, when I work with my adult students, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I had to reconcile with was being an educator early on in my career was being a teacher and not wanting to leave being mm -hmm. a teacher. Mm -hmm. I could, I would stay in the classroom forever if I could afford it. To be mm -hmm. honest, right. if this society paid the amount of money right. to educators that it really needed to, I could actually do that for yes. the rest of my life and, we need and to be happy, and we need to do that. However, because we don't do that, I had to sort of transition into administration. Yes. And it's the work now that I see is my work is not really with students, and I'm talking about small children anymore. It's about adults. It's about those teachers in the classroom. Right. And I've tried to my best as best I can, hand off my philosophy and what has worked for me, which is to make sure that every single teacher, every single adult student that mm -hmm. I talk to mm -hmm. feels that they are the most special person that I've ever talked to. And I try every single time to make sure that people feel, the students, the adults, all feel that they are special and that they're the favorites of mine, you know what I mean? Because if you can make a child, I look at my teachers and I tell them all the time, you know, what's the relationship like between you and your students? And if the relationship is not 100% effective, where that child believes not only do you like me, but you're interested in my future, 
You're interested in my family. You're interested in my culture. You're interested in, you know, me having Captain Crunch for breakfast. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of stuff, that kind of listening and that kind of being there for the students is really important for me. And I think it's exactly where anyone who works with youth or who works in a service capacity should remember that it's all about relationships. Relationships are first. Right. In the work that we do especially. Yes. And I'm going to take us right back to the beginning because if we all spend some time meditating, spending that time to getting quiet. That's relationship with self. Absolutely. Uh Right. Right. Because once I love me. Yes. Once you love you. Yes. Then we can easily love one another. Because if you don't love me. Right. How in the hell you gonna love? Right. If you don't right. love you, how the hell you gonna love me? Yes. Yes. That's not gonna happen. Yes. So yeah, I'm with you. So I encourage us to do that. I think we're gonna head on out today. Right. Um, so Ayana, take us home. Quick. Okay. Well, I leave you with a thought, and the thought is simply this: This is a Yoruba proverb, where you will sit when you are old shows where you stood in youth. That proverb comes with an affirmation. I will let the sun of life shine on me. All right. Well, this is Dr. Sharice. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. I can't take it no longer. This is Dr. Hager signing out. We out, y'all.